Today on the We Invested podcast, we have Steve Keller, the founder and CEO of Steve Keller Consulting, as well as a multiple business owner. Steve, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm excited. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining, man. I'm excited as well. But before we get started, would you mind letting the people know how they can find you on the internet, whether it's your uh, website or social media pages? Yeah, easiest way for me is uh, just to my website, stevekellerconsulting.com. Um, you can find you know my information's on there, email. I've got my phone number if you want to text me, and there's a link to book a call um, if anybody's interested to chat with me, you know, kind of about what we talk about today. Absolutely, man. And so, you know, I want to start from the top, man, and talk a little bit about, you know, where you're from and where you grew up. Yeah, I, I grew up in northern Michigan. Um, spent my whole childhood there, was born and raised, went to Michigan State um, for college, studied studied TV, radio, and film, actually, at Michigan State, met my wife there, and spent the first, man, like 10, 11 years of my career post-college uh, as a camera guy in sports TV. And um, it was my dream job. I got my dream job right out of college. I got hired at ESPN, my first job after I graduated, moved to Bristol, Connecticut, worked at the mothership. Worked on uh, all the shows I grew up watching, Sports Center, NFL Live, all those shows. I was just I was a camera guy, and I was I was like, this is crazy. <laughs> so, um, so that was neat, right? I kind of uh, I felt like I peaked a little early, a little bit there. I was like, man, I got my dream job right out of the gate, and uh, but it, it didn't take me long to kind of realize that um, I wasn't a very good employee. Mm. <laughs> it's just the big company you know, there was just certain things about it. And so I, I kind of had quickly went from uh, being an employee to being self-employed. So I, I only stayed there for a year before I had said, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to quit the big job and I'm going to go out on my own and buy my own equipment and become a freelancer. And so um, that was kind of my first step. I went from employee to self-employed pretty quickly. And then I spent 10 years, uh, 10, 11 years of of that being a camera guy, I worked for some, some news, uh, some like political news outlets. And then for a few years there, and then I got back into sports and, and worked, uh, I did college football shows. I did Monday night footballs. I've done Rose bowls and national championships. So I got to do a bunch of cool stuff and it was a lot of fun. And I just knew I didn't want to do it forever. Probably it was hard on my body. I had to carry heavy equipment around. I had to travel a lot. My wife and I got married. Um, and then eventually we, we, we decided to have kids and, this was all when COVID happened. And so COVID happened, we found out uh, that sports were shut down globally. And so I was immediately out of work and I had no idea how long, right? It was like, is this going to be a week, a month, a year? You know, like at the, when the, at the beginning, none of us knew. We're like, ah, things will shut down for a little while. We'll all go back to normal life. You know, <laughs> uh, we all kind of know how that transpired. So um, I was I was booked on, I was going to do an NBA game and the nba was the first league to shut down like they're the first ones to come out and be like now nah, mm -hmm. we're out we're out you know like we gotta shut this down and wait to see what happens and so i was like wow things got kind of real you know i was scheduled to go work get a paycheck and all of a sudden poof gone uh so and then at the same time found out my wife was pregnant with twins so uh yeah kind of a uh, interesting moment in my life to say, well, uh, I guess you better figure something out. So, um, my wife has a great career, great job. We, we live below our means, you know, so like I wasn't freaking out, but I was like, well, it's kind of a turning point in my career in my life. And so I had always wanted to buy a small business. And, uh, so that that's, 
that's what I started looking at doing. I had some experience with it. I had a friend who was a business broker. So I just was, I was kind of like, you know, I think this is kind of my way out of TV. I've got to find something to replace it. So I ended up buying a small service business and uh, lo and behold, it ended up being a crime scene cleanup company, which, uh, you know, gets its fair share of interesting questions. And people are like, how in the world did you end up doing that? And um, it wasn't by like choice. I mean, I didn't like specifically seek out this industry. It just, just the way that it worked out, the guy that I met, he had a company for sale. It was the right size. It was in service industry, which I wanted to be in anyway. And it just happened to be, this was the service that they provided. So um, it, but it, it gave me my, it gave me an opportunity to walk away from TV, to walk away from traveling and to my kids were born. I got to spend uh, a bunch of time at home with them. I wasn't traveling and being on the road. And so it kind of gave me all those things. And then, in, um, and then I got the itch to do it again. You know, I was like, okay, what, what do I do now? I was growing that company still, I still own that company now and was growing it and thought, uh, see what else is out there. So I actually just recently acquired my second crime scene cleanup company. This one, much bigger, uh, seven figure deal had to, had to go get an SBA loan, you know, a little bit more, uh, put your money where your mouth is type of thing. Personally guarantee a seven figure loan through the SBA. Um, gotta be pretty sure about what you're doing. So, uh, I just recently acquired that and, you know, that's kind of where I am today. And then, you know, the topic that we'll talk a lot about today is, when I started being more successful, when I started, you know, having these companies and having profits from these businesses flowing to me personally, I started to realize um, my tax bill started to get a little bit unruly, you know, and mm -hmm. I started to realize it's just not something you really think about, especially when I was an employee and never thought about it, right? You get your paycheck, taxes are taken out you get whatever's left over. You don't even see it. Right. Like, right. so you just kind of, and then maybe at the end of the year, you get a little refund and everybody's happy. Right. Well, when you're a business owner, you just have so many more things to pay for. Number one, you've got more taxes, you got payroll taxes, you got all these different things. And then on top of that, at the end of the year, if you have a great year, time to write, you know, time to pay uncle Sam, time to write a big check. And so I was like, man, I know that there's different scenario. Like what, what ways can I, you know, how can I legally mitigate this giant tax liability or this growing checks that, you know, I'm not trying to say, I, you know, I'm uber wealthy and I'm paying all this money in taxes, but I was paying plenty. Right. And I'm like, right. there's just gotta be a way. And I know that the ultra wealthy people and the business owners and the people who have the resources and the teams and the tax professionals on their teams, they, they know stuff that we don't know. And so it led me to uh, figuring out about this strategy and, and how you can use a specialized trust to mitigate a big, uh, a big chunk of your, of your tax liability as a business owner, as an investor. And so, you know, that led me to starting Steve Keller consulting. And, and I just, and now I consult other business owners and investors on the topic. I share with them what I put in place and how I did it, how they could do it themselves and how it could have an impact on their, um, you know, on their taxes, number one, but also, you know, there's huge asset protection that comes along with it. There's wealth transference, uh, you know, to the next generation, to your kids, to whoever else in your family, you're going to leave your legacy behind. So it had kind of had all these pieces. And I, I just really was, it's just dove right in educational. I was like, man, I got to put this in place for my family. This is going to be incredible. I got to learn more about it. And then I just started talking to people about it. And they're like, how can you, can you help me put this in place? And so that's kind of how Steve Keller Consulting was born. Man, that's incredible, man. And, you know, there's so many different things that I want to kind of dive into and, and, and things that I want to touch on. But the first thing I want to, you know, kind of acknowledge and 
and say that I admire is your ability to pivot and transition into new desires or new goals that you have set for yourself. So you left Michigan State and moved and jumped straight into the cameraman lifestyle. You weren't afraid to move around and go where you needed to go in order to be successful at whatever role it was, um, which is something that I really admire. I mean, even realizing that, okay, being an employee is not for me. I want to go and do my own thing. Making that transition from a nine to five to a freelancer, that's not an easy thing to do at all. And, uh, you know, I think the toughest part about that is the psychological change. You go from having a consistent paycheck to now you have to go out and um, eat what you kill kind of thing. So, I mean, yeah. just how was that transition for you, um, you know, just from going from nine to five to a freelancer? Was it ever intimidating? Um, you know, what, what was involved with that? Yeah, it was, um, it for sure was intimidating. I mean, I was 22 years old, you know, 23 years old. I just graduated college, got my dream job and then had to tell mom and dad, Hey, I'm about to quit. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. And they're like, what in the world? <laughs> you know? And I'm sure plenty of other people were like, that seems like an interesting move. Um, but they were supportive. I'm thankful. I had really supportive parents and they were like, all right, you know, if that's what you want to do and and you're confident in it, like they supported me with it. So, um, yeah, you had to, I had to have a mindset. I, I didn't really know. I think I kind of thrive a little bit on the unknown. I thrive. I'm not a planner. I thrive with uh, solving problems and, and things as they come up. And I feel like I need those things to happen because I love solving problems. And I, but I'm like, I need, I need something to be happening in order for me to solve a problem. And so I just, yeah, man, when I, when I quit, uh, a buddy of mine quit at the same time, we moved to New York city together and, uh, I was, I was commuting a little bit, but I went to New York city. That's where my first freelance job was. And then, um, so we kind of felt like we'd made it, you know, like, like, exactly. Hey man, we're working in TV in New York city. Um, exactly. and, and that was fun. And then eventually moved down to Texas that the show that I was working on had moved down to Texas and I'm like, Hey, do you want to move to Texas? My wife is from Texas. And so it was just kind of a no brainer. And I was done. I grew up in the, I grew up in the Northern Michigan. I moved, I lived in Connecticut. I worked in for ESPN. And then I moved to New York city for like six months. And I was like, dude, I've had it with the snow. I've had it with the winters, like get me somewhere warm. So Texas was like a welcome yeah, opportunity for me. I was like, heck yeah, man, I'm packing my bags. So we came down here and, um, and then it was just networking. I've just, I've always been an extrovert. I've always networked. I've always talked to people, whether I'm playing golf or on an airplane or working or whatever. And so it behooved me, you know, to do those things because I was in an industry where it was all about who you knew. And so that's, that's how I got connections and that's how I got jobs. And that's how I started working on shows and having opportunities to do cool things in that career, you know? And so when it came time to make the next jump, right. From self-employed to business owner, cause I had tried stuff, right? Like for, I, as a camera guy for 10 years, I had tried to start a zillion side hustles and, uh, small businesses and little things, but they were always just side things. Right. And I never right. gave them my all. And a lot of them failed. A lot of them stunk, you know, <laughs> like, but I just kept trying. I was like, so I kind of knew that I had a shiny object syndrome situation going on. And, uh, but when it was time for me to really make the next move, it, I had already done something like that. I already went from quitting my job to be, to be self-employed. And so I was like, well, this is just the next step. Um, and I can either start a business or buy one. And, I had talked to enough people and then people that I knew in my, in my network were like, you should buy a business. You know, you should go buy something. Even if it's small, it's already got, it's already off the ground. It's already going. You already got a head start. Um, and I bought a small one, 
uh, my first deal was like, I think I bought it for like $120,000. And um, so it wasn't making that much money. You know, it was a small little deal and I borrowed money from our retirement accounts to pay for it. And it got, but it got me started. And, it, and then that's, that's what gave me the itch and the confidence to go, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to go get a big loan and buy my next one. Absolutely, man. And a few, a few things that I'm hearing, you know, just throughout your story and, and learning about your history is that, I mean, you have all of the characteristics and traits of a successful entrepreneur from curiosity to courage, you know what I'm saying? Being able to take that step, that leap of faith, so to speak. I mean, problem solving as well as perseverance. I mean, having multiple businesses and, you know, just trying to figure out what works until until it actually works. I mean, I think that takes a lot and most people, um, you know, necessarily wouldn't have the 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 will to want to keep pushing man after after experiencing those type types of things so i mean I, I definitely commend you for that and you know something else that i think is so interesting man is you know through you um working and trying to figure things out and and starting new businesses and meeting new people and networking you find out about the benefits of trust and you know what a trust is and what a trust can do for your business personal life and and, and everything else involved with that and it's so it's so interesting because trusts are is something you won't learn about until you acquire enough assets and then once you get enough assets you get in start hanging with different circles and they talk about you know they have different types of conversations and you learn about these different vehicles and instruments and tools that are basically secrets for the rich you know 100 percent. yeah yeah so you know what i want to ask you is what are some what are some ways that a specialized trust can be implemented in your business's financial strategy? Yeah, uh, great question. And so I want to start just talking about trust a little bit because I knew nothing about trust, right? It's the same thing, right? You're like, well, eventually mm -hmm. somebody's like, hey, you should get a trust. I'm like, well, what do I even do with that? What does that even mean? And right. typically in a typical trust, and the, the the point is that you get, you started, you have assets, you start to have more valuable assets, you get more successful, you have these things, and you just want to protect those assets so that when you die, those assets go to your beneficiaries. That's That's like the basic trust, like high level. And I'm not a trust, like, you know, I'm not an attorney, I'm not a CPA number one, right? So this is all just my personal experience. I'm not giving anybody any advice. Um, but so typically what happens is you, you put stuff in a trust so that, you know, if you have kids or beneficiaries, when you die, those things get transferred to your, to those, uh, to your beneficiaries. And so I didn't really understand. I was like, okay, where's the tax mitigation come in? Where does the, uh, you know, where's does all this other stuff happen? And so through my circles and my networking and meeting new people, I found out about, Hey, look, you can, you can design trusts in a specific way, to have tax benefits, to have benefits while you're living, not just benefits after you die, right? Typically, a trust is like you have a benefit when you die, it, you, you know, your stuff gets taken care of. Well, what if we want benefits from that while we're living? And so I'll, I'll just kind of share with you how I have it set up. And this is a very typical way for like a business owner uh, to, to set up using a specialized trust for the things that we've kind of talked about. So, um, my businesses, I only own 10% personally of both of my businesses. Okay. So all that means is at the end of the year, when 
the the net income at the bottom of the P&L shows up and however much profit you know my business is made. And that's after I pay myself a small salary and pay all my expenses and revenues, everything, right? So that's the profit that the business has at the end, which you know typically owners will take as distributions throughout the year. Um, and that's how they pay themselves the profits out of their businesses, or they reinvest it or do whatever they want to do. Well, typically all that all that that number falls to you personally and goes to your personal tax return. You pay tax on that number, right? It's pretty straightforward. Well, I only own 10% personally of both businesses. And so only 10% of the profits from both of my businesses falls to my personal tax return because 90% of both of my businesses are owned by my trust. And so my trust is a limited member and it's not, doesn't have any active involvement, right? It's just basically an investor in my businesses and owns, but owns a big giant majority of it. So at the end of the year, it will get a K one, uh, and 90% and of the profits of my businesses will flow into my trust bank account. And that's passive income that my trust is earning. And so that's step one, right? I've gotten, I've taken 90% of the profits of both of my businesses and sent them to my trust because it owns it on paper. Um, and that's, and, and it does, right? So it's got a, it's got, it's, it's a member, it's in the operating agreement of my LLCs that my trust is a 90% owner. And so what the trust can do when set up right and, and the strategy is right is you can defer the income tax on that passive income through your trust. It's in the IRS code. It's, it's, it's like any other thing that's in the IRS code that, that allow you to, I mean, the IRS code is meant to help you save taxes, not to pay more. It's all the things that you can do to, to pay less. Right. And so this is one of those things. And so when done right, I can defer those taxes. Now, you know, when people hear defer, they're like, okay, well, when are you going to have to pay? You're going to pay it sometime. Right. Right. Well, uh, I don't plan to, I don't plan to have to pay those taxes during, I'm, I plan to defer them for my entire life until I'm dead. And when I die, somebody else, i.e. my kids should, uh, if I teach them the right, they're going to do the same thing because, um, as long as I don't distribute money out of my trust bank account, to somebody, to myself, to my kids and my beneficiaries. If I did that, if I just gave them a distribution, I said, Hey, here's, here's $50,000 out of my trust bank account and gave it to my kids. It would go to their personal tax return and they would pay taxes on it. But if I don't do that, I can continue to defer it. So that's the, that's the one step. If I keep it in that ecosystem, right? It's allowed by the IRS for me to say, you know what? I'm going to defer the taxes on these. I'm going to pay them later. IRS is like, cool. It's on a tax return. My trust files a tax return and it's a, it's an option on there. Okay. So that's step one. I've got the money in there and I've, de I've sheltered it from having to pay taxes now, right? I've, def I've deferred it. I've told the IRS, hey, I'm going to defer this. I'm going to pay this later. And so now it's like, okay, and this is what my first question was when I heard this. Okay, well, what do I, how can I use that money, right? Mm -hmm. Like I got all this money in there. I don't have to pay, I don't have to pay taxes on it right now. That's great. But how can I use it? Well, the trust can pay for certain trust expenses. Um, one of those trust expenses is for healthcare and education for its beneficiaries. So I can pay for my kids and my wife who are the beneficiaries. I can pay for their healthcare costs, their education costs. I can pay for my kids' daycare because they go to a Montessori where they learn. I can pay for their college. I can pay for a lot of stuff for them, right? And that's cool. That's, that's you know, as somebody who has two-year-old twins, that's a, um, that's a significant expense that I have that now can be paid for with this money that I'm, that I'm deferring the taxes on. But the big strategy comes in when I sold every asset that I personally owned to my trust. I sold my house. I sold my cars. I sold everything in my house. Any any other asset of substance in my life, 
sold it to my trust. Now my trust owns it and my trust is required to pay for it. So I can take that income that's in there, that deferred, we'll call it, I'll just, I like to call it deferred income because it's deferred taxes. I can take these tax deferred dollars and pay for now. I can pay for my mortgage, my taxes, my insurance, my pool guy, my lawn guy, my cable bill, my electric bill, my car payment, my gas, my new tires, my oil changes, and like you name it, right? And so then you start to see like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. All of my biggest personal expenses now are legally trust expenses because I don't own them. Mm-hmm. But I have to be okay with not owning them personally. And I don't care. I, it's a different form of ownership, right? And there's some, there are some nuances, right? I'm the trustee. Um, mm. the, the, all the assets are meant for the beneficiaries, right? So right. it's kind of like, well, can you live in your own house? Yeah, you can live in you can live in the house that's owned by the by the uh, by the trust. There are some things that you can do compliance wise to show the IRS, hey, I'm the trustee. Um, I'm not supposed to benefit. I just control it. But my wife and kids live here. It's for them. But I have to be here to make sure everything's good, to make sure the bills are paid, to make sure that things are upkept, you know, and repairs and maintenance are happening. Uh, same thing with the vehicles. And so, and the trust now can own any asset. It can it can buy any asset that it wants. It can buy investment properties. It can buy businesses. It can invest in anything that it wants. It can buy crypto. It can pay for all these different. So now you're starting to realize like, whoa, that's where the strategy comes in. That's where it's like, when you first hear about it and you you understand the basic high level stuff that we're talking about, you're like, then your brain starts to go, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's that's crazy, right? And this is what the wealthiest families in America have done for hundreds of years. You know why some folks don't want to show their personal tax returns? Uh, because their personal tax returns don't show very much, right? And so there's asset protection. There's what there's all these other great benefits to it, but it's it's just a, it's just a different way to operate that nobody taught us about. And you're right. It's a secret of the rich for a really long time. It still is because nobody knows about it still. You know what I mean? Like compared to how many people are out there. And I talk to people all the time about this and they're like, how come I've never heard of this? How come my CPA's never heard of this? How come my attorney's never heard of this? I'm like, I had the same questions. <laughs> I don't know. They didn't want to tell anybody else about it. You know, they didn't want it to go away. I'm not sure, but it's, it's available. It's legal. It's compliant with the IRS and it's a different way to operate. But the the things that it can do for you, your family, your generational legacy are unmatched. I haven't found anything quite like it. And I've looked. <laughs> Absolutely, man. No, trusts are definitely, um, you know, special vehicles, man, that only a few know about. But I will say an important thing, a key component into having a trust. Um, and if you want it to last and if you, you want it to be generational, a key component is to have income producing assets within that trust so it can pay those expenses because i have seen situations where like people will just have a home in the llc uh have a home owned by llc which is then owned by trust mm -hmm. and so the home is just like basically bleeding all the trust funds out mm -hmm. and you know it's going to the upkeep of the home because there's no assets to offset those expenses to help with the upkeep. So that is like a super important piece of it. I mean, and it's great that you have your two businesses um, in there producing that 
income for the trust to basically stay alive, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You've got to have it. You've got to get the income in there, whether it's business, it's income from your businesses, whether it's income from investments. Um, it can be, you know, it has to be passive income. It can't be W2 income. You know, it's got to be, you know, K1 from a business. It's got to be, you know, interest income, dividend income, royalty income, something like that. That's, that can be owned by the trust that that's where that money flows. And you're right. Cause if there's no income, then you can't pay for any trust expenses. And so that's <laughs> exactly. kind of step one, which is why it only it only makes sense to put something like this in place if you have, you know, assets that are producing cash flow that can that you can send that cash flow to the trust um to be able to pay for those things. And 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 then, you know, the amount of tax liability that you're mitigating and keeping in that ecosystem, you know, just allow like think about, you know, what you can do with that now that it's in there how many more cash flowing assets you can buy with that because you're keeping it in there and, and, and continuing to defer it until later. So yeah, it's pretty, it's uh it's pretty incredible. Have you heard about anything similar to this before? Similar to trust? The, like, yeah. Just like this strategy. Yeah, man. So uh, that's like, man, that's my day job. And that's the industry that I've been in for the past five years, man. I went to school in North Carolina. It was the only college that offered that program at the time. I believe it still is. But it was a trust and wealth management. Um, oh, awesome. That was like the actual degree with the minor in financial planning. And so, man, ever since I graduated, I've been working for different corporate trustees. Um, yeah. And, you know, the corporate trustees, it... it, it That's know, a whole other like, ballgame, I would exactly, imagine. Exactly, <laughs> man. It's like we, we work with like the ultra high net worth. And, yeah. you know, you can charge these insane trustee fee amounts um for for being the trustee of the trust because it is a lot of risk that you're you're taking on and, and it's a lot to be responsible for to make sure you're following the trust document and then the operating agreements um as they've been written and you know you want to make sure that you're following the grantor's wishes or the donor's wishes or the trustee's wishes or or the trustor's wishes but um yeah man it's an extremely interesting concept that not a lot of people know about when I tell them that I work in the trust industry, I always get that same reaction and that same response. Like, okay, what is that? I've never yeah. heard of that before. Right. But I mean, you know, um, another great reason why a lot of the wealthy people tend to use this is to, like you said, man, just not own those assets anymore. Because mm -hmm. if you if you die with a certain net worth, you will be taxed and estate tax for yep. just dying rich so yep. you know a lot of the rich people like to transfer their assets so now the trust is the owner of of that wealth and they can die and not have to worry about paying yeah. any tax and then they can let their children or their beneficiaries worry about paying that tax like well, you said and, later on it will in this in this scenario when the way that my trust is set up is um when i die Nothing gets triggered. No assets get moved. All that happens is my successor trustee takes over. So whoever I have named to take over, they just now control it. No assets are personally, you know, transferred to anybody personally. Nothing goes anywhere. So nothing like the trust just is like no, zero changes with the trust. It's just who who controls it, who controls the assets, who decides and maintains it from there. And so that's the generational wealth transference part of it, if if done right, and if I've taught my kids right. And Absolutely. they're old enough and I don't die before they're old enough for me to teach them, you know, they will become, uh, they will become the trustee one day when I die and their kids will become the beneficiaries. And then that's how it can go from my, you know, one generation to the next. And hopefully they do the same thing and it can just, you know, I'm thinking about how many, which 
wealthy generational wealthy families do obviously right as they pass it on and if they keep keep building it and keep keep continuing on and somebody along the line eventually will probably <laughs> probably mess it up or try you know what i mean like i think eventually it, it, i don't know what they say like it only takes three generations of somebody to for it to kind of go sideways a little bit but um but i don't plan to have any issues with it and i plan to have it um you know i don't have I, I don't plan to, I plan to continue deferring those taxes, you know, for my lifetime. And hopefully if I teach my kids, right, they'll understand the power of it and understand the responsibility that I'm about to hand over to them once, you know, when that time comes. So that's, yeah, it's, it's just wild, man. And and these things are available now to, you know, how many, uh, just small business owners are out there that just own one business. They own one business their whole life. They started it from scratch or they're just whatever. I mean, you, you name it. There's so many business owners out there that don't know this type of stuff exists. Exactly. And, and they just, every year their CPA tells them to cut a check, you know, to uncle Sam. And they're just like, well, I don't have any other options, you know? And, uh, it's just crazy. Cause there is, it's, it's just wild that there's other options. Cause before the best option was what everybody did before was, well, they had an LLC and then they, it was taxed as an S corp. Right. Mm -hmm. so that was kind yeah. of the big tax play. Right. And so that's the thing that's getting pumped everywhere. It's like, hey, Satan, you can. That's that was like up until I found out about this, that was the best way for me to save a portion of my of my taxes as a business owner, as a self-employed person, especially when I was a camera operator, because it was just me, single member LLC. You know, I didn't want to have to pay the self-employment tax on on all of my income. And so somebody was like, Hey, you should you should do your LLC as an S Corp. And I was like, okay. And I did, and it saved me some money. Um, but had I known about this 10 years ago, hmm. Too bad, so, <laughs> unfortunately for me. Exactly, man. So, you know, why was it important? Why is it important for you to, um, why was it important for you to get on these podcasts and educate people about this, this different type of investment vehicle? And, uh, you know, why was it important for you to create Steve Keller Consultant to get the word out? I just, man, I just knew that everybody that everybody that I talked to about this is like, what in the world? I can't like, why did, why didn't my CPA tell me about this? Why didn't my lawyer tell me about this? I'm like, well, I don't know. I don't know the answers to those questions. And I just know that as a business owner and somebody who's, who's um, just kind of tried to figure it out on my own that like, we just got to help each other out. And I mean, look, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a capitalist. I'm a, you know, like I, I do things to make money. So obviously I'm doing this. There's, there's a financial benefit for me as well, but um in reality, all I really care about is how much value I can provide. I'm not worried about like, even if people listen to this and they never reach out to me, but they, they put this in place, man, that's, that's great. That's all like, you know, like that's awesome. And I want, and I, even if they reached out to me later and said, Hey man, I didn't use you, but I did this and this is awesome. Perfect. Right. Like right. that's awesome. That's all I want to do is provide value because it'll come back full circle. It always does. And so, um, I think that's what kind of drew me to it in the, in the, the group that I had bought my trust from and have worked with closely and they've helped me set everything up and they've got the back office and all those things. When I started to have these conversations with them, they were like, Hey, you should, you should work with us on this and you could consult with people and you could, um, you know, you could make some money doing it, but we would love to have you help us spread the word. And so that was kind of like, you know what? That sounds awesome because I love talking about it. I love sharing these things with people. And I know that if I share this with somebody else, um, whether they, whether they decide it's right for them or not, um, they're going to want to share value with me and maybe they can share something with me. That's going to help me in my business, or that's going to help me in my family. And, and I'm going to learn something and meet somebody that, um, 
I'd never met before. And I would have never met before had I started doing podcasts, you know, being, being a guest on podcast and, and talking about this topic. Um, I'm going to get value from the people that I meet. My network is going to grow. So there's just so many other benefits to it. And it's just, how can I go out and create as much value as I can for, for people? And, um, I know that I'm going to get value in return, you know, one way or the other, whether it's people I meet or business I do or things that I get involved in. So. Absolutely, man. And I think, um, you know, you're a great example and your story is a great example of the benefit of networking. And if you network properly, what it can lead to. So, I mean, one of the first things you said was, or one of the first things that I took from you networking was you being able to go out and freelance and do things on your own. So by you being able to network that led to jobs, by you being able to network and build relationships and, and connections with the right people that led to you learning about, okay, I need to um, file my LLC as an S corp so I can avoid paying that 15% self-employed tax. Yep. And then also from networking, you learned about trust and now you're able to easily pass down your assets to your children, to your wife or whoever, without going through probate, without having to go through the courts, it can just be done via will, via trust. And then, I mean, it's, you're all set. So, I mean, you know, it's like, th these are really good representations of the power and the benefit of effectively networking. Yeah. It's just, it's just the education that you can get from it, right? Like you can just sit on Google all day and you can read as many books as you want. But when you're, when you're networking with real people and you're trying to provide value, they're going to share what they're going to share their knowledge with you and what they know. And, you know, had I not met my friend, who's a business broker, I wouldn't have even really known that buying a business was an option for me. Yeah. You know, that just didn't really, I was like, well, who buys businesses? I don't know. I think other companies, do, you know, like I didn't really know that like just everyday people could buy businesses or professionals. <laughs> people could be, you know, people yeah. leave their nine to fives all the time and go buy a business. They buy a franchise or they buy something. And so that kind of opened my eyes to being like, why well, I, I am not a good start from scratch guy in yeah. anything. I can't come up with the idea. I can't come like, that's just not me. I'm not creative. I don't have, you know, I'm not trying, but, but I could go buy something that already exists and go, Oh, I can work with that. I can figure out where my value add is here. And I just learned so many things from being a business owner, man. I mean, having employees and, and, and caring about people and treating people right. And seeing that, like the responsibility that comes along with being responsible for somebody else's paycheck exactly. and feeding their family and paying for their you know, roof over their head and all that stuff. Like that's a, that's a pretty crazy thing that I didn't really know until I got into it and the responsibility that comes with it and how good it feels when, you know, your employee buys their first house or moves into their first apartment or has their first kid and they, they can afford to, to do the things that they need to do to grow their family and, and just, you know, grow their life and, and, and move to the next chapter in their lives because they're working for your company. It's crazy. Like those things still don't really, I still can't really comprehend those things, you know? Um, but I take them very seriously and that's, I'd have never done or known any of that stuff had I not just tried to meet new people and, and learn new things and, and always provide value. Like I'm always trying to learn from other people, but I always want to know like, okay, what value do I have to share so that I don't feel bad when they're sharing value with me. And it's not always going to be a 50, 50, right? Like there's always going to be people in your life who go out of their way that are giving you way more value than you're getting in return. But then you're going to be able to do that for somebody else. Like when I first, you know, getting my job at ESPN right out of college, like somebody went out on a, 
you know, stuck their neck out for me. They didn't have to, they didn't really know me, but they did. And so then later on in life, when people were, when I was, you know, had been in the industry and TV for a long time and somebody wanted help, I stuck my neck out for them. And I did those things for other people because somebody helped me get my start. And that's just, it's just that cycle, man. It's people helping people and people wanting to learn and grow. And yeah, man, it's led to incredible things in my life that I'm just like, without those things, I don't know. I definitely wouldn't be here now, you know? So Absolutely, man. I, I mean, and you spoke about your team and, you know, just having that responsibility of of um someone's livelihood, man, and just and being responsible for that that large piece of their life. I mean, and we all know the importance of having a good team and having the right people around you. But I want to ask, how did you focus on building your team and, and making sure you had the right pe the right pieces and the right people around you? that's a pretty big learning experience because it's, it's hard to hire, you know, it's hard to find the right people. And I, I just kind of was trial by fire. I was like, man, I got to find the right people. And you just kind of have to learn, you know, you got to do job postings, you got to interview people, you got to find the right people. And when you find them, you usually know, you know, so I found some really good, I just found unbelievable people to help me here in, in, in DFW where my first business is located. My second one's in Florida and I've, I recently acquired that. So I haven't had to build on upon anything yet with the team. Like they have an unbelievable team in place, but I had to keep them. You know what I mean? I had to get them to trust me, you know, when I came in, cause they didn't know that I bought the company until the day that they met me. Right. Yeah. You know, they found out that the company was sold. And then 10 minutes later in walked me and I was like, Hey, I'm the new owner. Uh, how, you know, so I had to get a whole room full of people, um, to, and it's not like there's 50 people working at this place, but there's enough, you know, and it's like, I had to get these people on board with, with me and believe in me and stick with me. So that was almost like I had to almost just rehire them. I, you know, I had to get them to believe in what I was going to do that. I wasn't going to, you know, that their jobs weren't in jeopardy and that I cared about them and that I know I had just met them, but they were important to the success of this company. And that I have a family that's depending on me making this business continue to be successful. And so you know, we're all human beings and we're all just trying to make it in the world. And we've all got different roles and we've all got different things and aspirations. So, um, this, that, that has just been a lot of trial and learning, just, just being in it, you know, faking it till I make it, I've faked it till I made it for a lot of stuff. So I just kind of educate myself as much as I can, but you know, you're never going to, there's never going to be the right time. You're never going to be ready, ready, ready to do something. You're always going to feel like you could learn more before, you, but eventually, man, you just got to dive in, you got to jump in and you got to take a risk. You got to trust yourself and you got to be vulnerable. And I, you know, like I don't ever, I bought this business. I don't go in there saying, I know everything. You know, I'm not saying like, Hey, I like you guys have this business is jamming. It's been around for 20 years. You guys know more than me. I'm here to learn from you and then learn where I fit in and where, what value I can bring and how I can help us grow. Um, and just get them to trust that I got their back, you know, they got mine and it's, it, things happen pretty quick and it's, and it's fun to see those things happen. And now it's like, man, they're like my family. You know, I haven't known them that long, but I would do anything for them. And I know that they're out there busting their butt for the company and for which, and is, which is for me and my family, you know? Absolutely, man. I mean, and how, how are you handling wearing these different hats, man, and, and juggling multiple businesses at once? How, how are you, you you managing that from the consultant firm to the um you know two companies the the one you recently bought the first company you you purchased I mean how are you managing these different these different companies Yeah 
Uh, good question. I think it's, I'm really lucky. I've got two, the two businesses that I own, um, that are, you know, the consulting is really just me. Right. Um, and, and then, you know, fulfillment of like putting these things in place. But as far as the consulting goes, like it's, it's really just Steve Keller consulting. It's me helping people and then having the right resources to help them put these things in place. But the two, the two businesses I bought, I'm really lucky, man. I've got teams and, and great employees and great staff that handle, you know, so much of the day-to-day stuff that everybody's got a role to do. And so, um, that's the only reason that it like allows me, like if there weren't, you know, if there were less employees or, or weren't people in those key positions, I would be having to do so much more on my own and I would just be running around. Like it'd just be too much for one person to handle. And so I'm lucky in that respect. Um, and then outside of that, you know, it's just, it's time management. I mean, I've got two young kids and right. uh, I've got all that stuff to deal with too. And so right. I, I do, you know, I think this is enough for now. <laughs> I think I don't, <laughs> and I'm not trying to add any more things to the plate. Of course, I want to buy more businesses and those types of things, but um, I've got to figure out how to make that work. Cause there, cause you only have so much time in the day and I've, and I've got to spend time with my family. I've got to spend time with my wife. I got to spend time with my kids. I got to spend time with myself and my friends too. You know, you got to have, you got to have all those pieces and it, it, it does feel like a lot and everybody juggles those things, right? No matter whether you own businesses or you work somewhere or whatever. Um, we're all trying to manage our time in that respect. So, um, yeah, man, it's, a it's, it's another one of those things that's just like, it's a learning curve. You know, how do I juggle all these things? Um, so it's like, I just got to make sure I've got the right people on the team. And if I need more people, if I need to hire an outsourcer, I've been, I've been really good in my life. I think about outsourcing thing and not just in business, like just in my life, like, cause I value time so much that I'm like, Look, if there's something I don't like to do or don't want to do, or it's just not worth my time doing, there's somebody you can pay to do it, whether it's an employee or whether it's a vendor or whether it's somebody to cut your lawn, you know, like not that I don't want to cut my own lawn or not that I don't want to do whatever else, but it's like, there's just certain activities where, man, it just makes way more sense for me to have somebody else do that. So I can focus on the higher leverage things and, um, and I'm okay with that. You know, it doesn't make me feel lazy. It makes me feel resourceful. <laughs> so Absolutely. yeah, that's kind of how I handle it. At this point in your career, how do you define success as a business owner and as an entrepreneur? Hmm. It's a really good question. Um, I think it's, I think I definitely think that there's monetary things that I that I define, right? Like it's, I've got to be making money. Number one. Um, but I've also got to have the time to be able to spend to do the things that I want to do, which are important to me, which is my family, my wife, and my kids and things that really fire me up. Right. I've got one main hobby. It's golf. I love to golf. I'm not playing as much of it right now because I got two businesses, but I, I make time. I have to make time for it because it's important to me. And I don't just want to spend my whole life, you know, nose to the grindstone, being a business guy and not look up and, and like smell the fresh air or and like enjoy the outdoors and like enjoy things in life. So for me, it's a mixture of how much time am I exchanging for how much money and what does that look like? Because there comes a certain point where it's like, I, could I work harder and make more money? I, I feel like everybody could always say yes. Right. Like, yeah, I could do some extra stuff, probably make some more money, but like, is it worth it? And do you need the more money or do you, would you just rather have the time to spend to do those things? So that's where, I'm always trying to figure out that balance between how much time I'm putting in and how much money I'm getting out of the investment or the business or the the thing that's cash flowing and providing my me and my family with income. Um, and I think also like, am I learning new things? Am I 
becoming a better person? Am I becoming a better leader? Those are the things that I'm trying to figure out how to, you know, that will define whether I'm successful or not. Um, And whatever happens, as long as I'm continuing to try, and if I try and fail and try and fail and try and win and try and, you know, you're going to win, you're going to fail, you're going to lose, you're going to win throughout the whole thing. So as long as I'm continuing to do that, as long as I don't give up on that part, I feel like no matter how much money or how much extra time or whatever, to me, I'll at least know that I, for better lack of a better term with sports, like I left it all out there and just be like, man, I gave it all I had, you know, doesn't mean you got to work a hundred hours a week. It doesn't mean you have to be lazy either. But, uh, so I think for me, it's, it's a lot about finding balance. Um, but I, I definitely have certain specific goals with, you know, buying a business and exiting a business and what do I, what am I going to do next? Um, that kind of define maybe certain parts, but there's just so many different, like, successful things that are different aspects of, you know, I, for me, one of the biggest things is time, man, if I've got time to do the things that I want to do, I feel like I'm winning and you gotta, you gotta figure that out. Cause there's plenty of business owners out there who don't have any time, you know? And so for me, that was never the goal. And that'll never like, if I get into a situation where it's like, man, this thing is just taking up all my time. It's making me a lot of money it's just not worth it at a certain point. So I'm always trying to make, I'm always trying to find that balance. How would you like for people to remember you as well as the companies that you've built and created and grown and, you know, acquired, how would you like to be remembered? As a good person who tried to always do the right thing. I tell my employees that all the time. It's very one of the very first things I told the, the employees when I bought the company in Florida. And I said, one thing that's going to be like a non-negotiable with me owning this company is everybody has to do the right thing. It's not hard to do the right thing. And you'll know it when something comes up and you have the opportunity to do the right thing or maybe not do the right thing. We are always going to choose to do the right thing. So I want to be remembered for those types of things. And just that, man, um, he was a good person or tried to be a good person, right? Like, I'm going to fail at being a good person. Uh, I think we all probably are. But if as long as I'm, as I'm trying to be a good person and trying to do the right things and trying to make the right decisions, um, I think that's how I want to be remembered. Somebody who just um, enjoyed life. I, I value it. I think it's so, I just know we're not going to be here for very long. And there's so many great things that we can experience that um, I just want to empower people to spend it however you want to spend it. Of course, there's things that you got to do. We've got to make money. We've got to pay for our food and shelter and those types of things. But man, there's nothing stopping you from making a positive change in your life. There's nothing change, you know, nothing stopping you from, from anything. And so, um, yeah, man, it's a pretty deep question. I think about it a lot because what do I want? I really just like, I ask myself, what do I want my kids to, to remember me by? What do I want them to think when they, you know, when I'm dead and gone, what do I want them to remember me by? And so I think it's, it's really just, man, ultimately was a good person, tried to do good things and the right things and try really just tried to do the right thing. Cause I just don't feel like doing the right thing is hard to do. And I feel like a lot of times people fail to do, do what's right, you know? So. Yeah, man. Absolutely. So what is the future of Steve Keller Consulting as well as, you know, you you acquiring more businesses and managing the current companies that you have? 
what does that future look like to you? Yeah, I think for me, it's how many people can I impact with with the consulting side of things? How many people can I share this with that it's a long-term thing, man? Like it takes a while to understand it. It takes a while to educate people on it. It's not like I tell somebody about this and they're like, oh man, I want to work with you right now and I put this in place. Like it, they want to follow up and they want to ha- ask questions and they need to educate themselves and they need to um, do their own due diligence and make sure, you know, like I'm not I'm pressuring anybody to do anything. I'm just saying, man, I'm telling you about something you should 100% think about putting this in place for you and your family. And if it's right for you, do it. And I can help you do it. And if you want to have me help you, great. If you want to have somebody else help you, perfect. Do that too. Um, So I think this thing will grow and evolve into helping more and more people and getting them more. It's like a financial education thing because this is just one piece, you know, and there's so many other things that we can do to help them well, and the people that I'm working with on on this consulting thing with the trust, there's so many other aspects to what we're going to be able to offer people. So that will continue to evolve and grow once they put things like this in place. Because then they're going to come to us and go, okay, great, I did it. Now I got a bunch of extra money sitting in my trust because I don't have as much tax to pay and I paid all my expenses. Like, what do I do with that money, right? So we can help them from that perspective too. So I think that's where that will evolve. And then, you know, business-wise, um, it's it's how can I grow and plan for an exit, you know, like that's what every business owner should have. I mean, that's the whole point, I think, of of, of being in business, especially of buying one, is you're got to have an exit strategy. I mean, it's like buying any asset, right? You're going to sell it at some point to try and make money from it. I mean, you're going to make money along the way, but uh, if you can grow it and sell it for more than you bought it for and those types of things. So, so for me, um, I think I'll probably buy... Um, a lot more businesses. I think over the, over the, my life, like if I'm lucky enough to live till, you know, I'm, I'm in my eighties or something or seventies or eighties or whatever it is, I'm lucky to live a full life as far as age goes. Um, I think I'll buy plenty, buy and sell plenty of more businesses along the way. And I think I'm just excited for those experiences and what other types of industries I can go into and what things I can learn along the way. Um, about being a leader and about being an owner and about supporting people and helping people, you know, within those organizations do great things. And, um, and I'm just going to hang on for the ride, man. It's going to be fun. And I think it's going to take me to all sorts of twists and turns and I'm excited for the problems to solve. I'm excited for the people that I'm going to meet. And, um, it should be a lot of fun too. Absolutely, man. Steve, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for the energy and the passion and for actually, uh, shedding light on the trust world. Cause it's something that's uh, not known about. I mean, thank you for even shedding light on buying businesses, man, because it's it's still something that people learn about every day and that they don't know is a possibility. So, I mean, I think you're doing a great, um, I think you're doing something great just by sharing this knowledge and spreading awareness of it. And I could just, like I said, I could feel the passion and the energy that you have about it and, and what you do. And, and uh, you know, I just appreciate you for letting us get the chance to pick your brain today. So thank you for your time, man. Yeah, man. Hey, I appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. I love doing this stuff and um, I love what you're doing with the podcast and and and, and getting the people on and and, and uh, providing the value to your audience. Obviously, it uh, sounds like you have a great audience and and uh, I'm just looking forward to it. Hopefully they found value in it. Hopefully you found value in it. And um, yeah, man, thank, thank you. I'm grateful. Appreciate you. Yes, sir.